LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel center ministry every week. Now, this is a podcast, so people are listening in. But what's interesting is we've been doing this. Sorry, sort of you, Zoom. you assume people are listening. In. <laughs> <laughs> what's been interesting is uh, is just seeing is seeing people's backgrounds. You know, so I've loved turning up at people's places and they've got the the background full of books, and you're like, you 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 you're learned, but you're not that learned. You know, you don't you don't have all those books. Uh, so Derek Shelfley, you know, you've got a you got a fairly small bookcase. We're talking with Sam today. Just let me describe the the background. He's got this beautiful little uh, pot plant. Uh, he's got the the light that is is making making the whole thing work. There's a there's a picture of a surfboard. There's a ski uh, a ski helmet which looks like he does some pretty crazy skiing. A skater cap and there's a red Jeep Cherokee as well. So I'm just trying to. What does that tell us about Sam Chan? Oh, such so, family man. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, there's a little bit of an edge to him. He wants to do some crazy things. There's one thing, if he really wants to push into the hipster space here, he does need a ladder to nowhere. That's what's missing. <laughs> Some sort of step ladder, mini ladder, any sort of ladder that doesn't go anywhere, that'll really tie it together, I reckon. Now the one thing I, is what... I resisted the urge to put an electric guitar there with some Christmas lights wrapped around it. <laughs> <laughs> now the one thing is brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Playing Network. If you want more tips as well on how to make your background uh, tell a story. Uh, Sam Chan has got a few of those tips as well. Uh, we're part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. We encourage you to check out our network page on iTunes and see a whole bunch of other quality Christian podcasts. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, the enduring implications of COVID on your church. So we have this same problem at City Bible from Thursday mornings we do Bible talks for lawyers at a cafe in Sydney and normally 20 people turn up with the isolation we made it online. I don't know what the numbers are. It could be 2000, but there's a whole group of people in Papua New Guinea watching them now. <laughs> and as restrictions are lifted and they can meet in a cafe, they've started meeting in the cafe again and you get your 10 or 20 people turning up, but they've now made it a hybrid version because they don't want the people in Papua New Guinea to miss out. So it, it may mean we have to pivot and, Think of church in this hybrid form. Yeah, can I, I just in that as well? It's it's um an amazing opportunity. As you said I know a number of churches who are getting huge amounts of views on the services that they put out there, which you know opens up some complications in it as well. One of those complications is um, I remember hearing someone say, "What are we What are we converting people to in this as well? Like, what is the new normal that they're getting used to, and how is it that that engages with the?" the personal interaction and the maturity and the challenge that comes from being physically in the room with someone and how do we get people through? Can you just talk a little bit into that? How do you, how do you navigate that in that evangelism space and, and what we're moving people towards? Yeah, these are new worlds, but it's not too different from the original challenges that faced Paul. So we all know when Paul wrote his letters to the Ephesians, somehow got circulated to like 10 other churches. So again, here's a, letter written to a specific congregation in a specific context 
but somehow it's okay to be read by other Christians in other churches, in other contexts. And we're still doing it now 2,000 years later. When Paul wrote his letter to Ephesians, he wasn't writing to me in Stratford in a Chinese church. But we, don't seem to, we seem to be able to work around that. When Luther writes his letters, some treatise to some people in you know, Wittenberg, Germany in the 1500s, somehow we can still read it now in Sydney in the 2020s. So I think we have that particular focus of church, but knowing that there's a universal application and there's a bigger implied audience than just the 100 people who I think are in front of me. So you talk, you do talk about the, you know, the implied, the implied audience. I think you make, you know, you make the statement that, you know, 50 to 90% non, you know, non-believers. Is that, I mean, I've, I mean, it, very interested in sort of Pastor Math over this sort of, you know, this time, you know, oh, thousands of people are listening in and, you know, we had this many views. I think, I think it has settled down and, and I think churches that were using the digital sort of space really well have been able to push out to a non-Christian audience. Um, but I, it, you, you really do push into the non-believer being present in our, in our gatherings more so and being more aware, perhaps so, than what we would be in a, in a physical sort of church service so so what have you been thinking through in terms of the church service um the way we speak um the way the service is sort of put together what's been the uh, the changes and the and the impact on that yeah so in my book i talk about how our implied audience is no longer just the 100 people who physically gather in front of us anymore and there's precedent for this like calvin talks about the universal church versus the local church. So the universal church is the church of believers, but the local church, he says, has both the elect and the non-elect there, you know, believers and non-believers physically in front of you. So the implied audience is no longer just a Christian. Paul talks about in Corinthians where it says, you run church in such a way, why? So that the non-believer in your presence says, oh my gosh, the Lord really is amongst you. So somehow the implied audience has always been, you got to, imagine there's a significant proportion of non-believers in front of you and now with the online space i i, I throw that number out there because really we we don't know it could be 50 to 90 percent non-christians just like who reads a gideon bible at two in the morning in a hotel room i suspect it could be 50 to 90 percent non-christians so who clicks on a church link at two in the morning it it could be 50 80 percent non-christians so our implied audience is bigger so on the one hand we're going to send how does this look? We've got to be much more receptor orientated, the sender orientated. How is this being received or understood by a non-believer? So we just have to change the way we talk, the tone in how we talk, the content as well. Also, how do non-believers communicate? So in my book, I push a lot on, now that we're a video medium, how do we talk? Like we know a written medium could be a 100-page book. We know... A spoken medium could be a 20-minute monologue. But what does a video medium look like? And more often than not on YouTube, it's only a five-minute segment. Like, we all know the same. When we look at a YouTube video, we're not prepared to watch it if it's more than three minutes. So somehow not, we have to reimagine how we present services and maybe you front-load the stuff. So typically as Christians, we wait patiently for the money thing, the sermon, and it comes at like a 40-minute mark in the service after the announcements, after this, after this. If a non-believer has clicked in, we, we need to give them the money stuff like in the first minute, the second minute. And it could be an interview. It could be a testimony. It could be a story. But we've got to realise 
that there's a non-Christian that just clicked on your link. Give them something now before they now, walk away. I think I think this is really helpful because in some senses the the first viewing is going to be at the you know the Sunday at ten o'clock or the Sunday at nine. Most most of that audience is going to be your church family. There'll yeah. be a few outsiders. But you're talking about the tail, you know, the tail of a of a YouTube yeah. video. You're talking about the post views, so post service. So in some senses, there's a, there's a push to uh, potentially rather than just uploading, you know, the same the same church service, um, actually editing that and making it a bit more uh, unbeliever friendly or not yet Christian friendly. But see, it's going to require a little bit of work. Yeah. That, that's the complication right there, isn't it? Because what you've been saying, Sam, as well, is that you deliver it differently when you're standing in a room speaking to camera, knowing you've got a captive audience the other end, um, than if you're in a room of people. And there's a hybrid that we're moving towards now where there will be people in the room who we're addressing and people on the other end of it who are addressing. And the complication of well, what do you do in that context as well to get to the same point of people who are seeking so, Sam, what's the solution? Just tell us five seconds. What's the solution to that one? Well, there are at least two things going on here. So, typically, when we click on our church link, we know the minister, don't we? So, there's relational capital, there's trust. And if this minister wants to talk for 50, 60 minutes, we happily listen because he's our friend, he's prayed for us, he visited us when we had kids. If he wants to talk for two hours, we happily listen. But the non-Christian stranger is not going to happily listen for 60, 90 minutes to a minister where there's no prior relational capital trust. So we have to find ways to build relational capital trust through this visual medium. The second thing, it's a change of medium. It's a change of genre. So it's not just about information transfer. So the paradigm is when we all moved to the internet 20, 30 years ago, initially thought all we had to do was get a written pamphlet and translate it in a HTML and convert it to a web page. And those web pages were horrible. They were just all text. They were just basically a pamphlet converted to HTML. And we're doing the same thing here. We think we can just convert what we normally used to do, but just put on a video camera. And all we're doing is transferring information. We're not, this is a change of medium. It's a change of format. And we have to rethink, reimagine how we present things. And we know the rapid drop off. People click on that church link and within three minutes, maybe within 20 seconds, like, oh, this is not for me, and we lose them. So we got to understand, okay, we got to give them something that they realise, wow, what is this? I, I need to hear more. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's also the question that's ringing in my ears as well is what I've heard from a few leaders of churches is how do they do this? No, it's a resource intensive to do this as well, um, as well as being complicated in and of itself, but hugely important to think through how it is that the people who we're in this audience we have never previously really engaged with in this way, how we keep provoking and putting the story out there to them. Well, at our church, we, we, we create a team called the Creative Minds Team. So, you know, churches have people for, I don't know, I don't know, children's work, youth work. We actually have a dedicated team we call the Creative Minds Team. And our meetings will say, here are the opportunities, here are the problems in front of us, now let's work on it. Oh, like, okay, and, and then I, I somehow believe in the providence of God, in the way God works, he somehow overblesses churches with resources. They just got to know, leverage, and look in the right places. We just got to know, I always make this joke that if you go to a wedding or a 21st birthday party, if it's a, a wedding with Christians or a birthday party with Christians, the speeches are amazing. Have you noticed that? 
because Christians, through all their experience, are just really gifted at public speaking. They've done this a million times before. They've emceed a church service. They've given a Sunday school talk. But if it's a non-Christian wedding or 21st, the speeches are horrible because it's the first time this person's had to do a public talk. And somehow, same with churches, somehow... Almost every church was able to pivot during COVID. Somehow in every church was a team that knew how to make videos, edit, do sound. Uh, and, and it was the same with us. Like in our English service, somehow all these uh, university students who do this for work, like, like for degrees, and they've got all this time off now that they're doing online education. That we, we have a team producing these videos. I know other churches might not be so blessed, but I... Our Chinese Cantonese congregation, full of elderly Chinese who can't even work a word processor, let on a video camera. Somehow there's this one man in their congregation <laughs> who does this for a hobby. And he, I, I hope the English service is not listening, but the Cantonese stuff is way better than what we've got in the English side right now. This one man is outdoing our creative minds team. But you do see there's a, there's a desire for people to hear the gospel and, uh, yeah. and, and, and people are using their gifts and, and we're doing a wonderful job all over the place. I, I am, given, given your other book is all about preaching, I am in, interested in your thoughts on preaching. Um, shorter, longer sermons, you know, what's the ideal length pastors should be pushing into in, you know, in this online space? Yeah, so people love to quote Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan. They go for 90 minutes. Why can't we can go for well, 90 minutes? Well, they're very interesting people. <laughs> that's what yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're very interesting. But here's the other thing. They play into the culture wars model. So they have a very loyal crowd mm. that's waiting for you to tell why the other side's wrong. But we're not playing the culture wars model. We're actually trying to preach to both sides right now. And I think that's the big, the, that, that, that's the big difference. And I actually lean into this in my post-COVID playbook where we explore paradigms. So when I'm now speaking to a camera, am I a newsreader? So do I preach like a newsreader? Mm. I uh, am entertainer, so do I preach like entertainer? Or am I a YouTuber? And I think the YouTuber, rightly or wrongly, whether we like or not, and this is provocative, they are the closest parallel to what we're trying to do. And I actually started watching Eddie Wu videos to try to learn what is Eddie Wu doing that mm. I can learn from. That's great. That's great. Well, uh, Sam, I'd love it if you could just finish off by telling us what's your, your one thing uh for the church god has given this amazing new opportunity same way he gave roads to paul the printing press to luther he's now given us this video medium as church and we can leverage it just imagine there are a thousand non-believers who have just clicked on your church right now how would you run church knowing there are a thousand non-believers watching you that's good. Well, Sam, thanks for joining us today, mate. It's been uh, good to have you here. Now, Scott, um, uh, Toolbox, what have you got for us today? I reckon the uh, first thing I think you want to be doing is, is checking out uh, that part of the playbook that talks specifically about uh, your posture during COVID. So episodes sort of five through to, uh, to 10 are all about how to communicate in a post-COVID world. Uh, I think check out Eddie, Eddie Wu. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, see how he... Uh, transfers uh, transfers truth. It's math truth, um, but it's worthwhile uh, having having a watch and seeing how he uh, does that well. Uh, and then the final thing I think uh, is to push into. Uh, I think it's episode eleven of the playbook. Uh, there's some great questions that we can be asking 
uh, in terms of uh, pushing into uh, personal relationships. So Sam encourages us to sort of ask the question, what, what's been making you happy? What's been making you sad? What's been happening in my life this week as a way of sort of opening up conversations as well? Uh, so we'll provide a link, uh, uh, well, a link to the, the post-COVID playbook and wait for that to drop. Uh, we've had a special, a special taster and, and a look inside it. That's good. I'll tell you what, uh, Eddie Wu's YouTube channel is just about to be flooded by traffic. Oh, let me tell you. Anyway, if you have liked what you've heard today on The One Thing, we'd appreciate it. Just take a moment, rate the show on iTunes, even leave a comment. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. I'm Derek Hanna. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. soon.